In Tune with Naledi Maleo on SAFM. It is indeed In Tune, focusing on young people. And I'm joined now on the line by Ayanda Nyoga, Project Leader for Building Inclusive Societies at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. Ayanda, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. You wrote an article that was published yesterday in The New Age where you say youth must amplify its voice in policy decisions. I think this is obviously a really important discussion. And let's start off with making, you know, going to, I want to give you an opportunity to make all the points, uh, to, to, you know, bring those across now on air. Um, and we can start off with the very first point that you make about how, look, we're, we're, we're approaching the day of voting um, and that young people have become more appealing to political actors, especially during electioneering. But do you feel that this is too little too late uh, in terms of involving young people in active citizenry and, and decision making and policies? Um, um, yeah, precisely. That's the point that I make in, in, in the article. Um, I think what is important um, for political actors um, to, to be able to understand is the fact that, um, you know, there's a, there's a huge sense of um, alienation that young people, but not just young people, more generally, um, that the South African population feels in terms of the relationship with, um, you know, political leaders, there's a huge sense of distrust um, that generally many citizens don't trust uh, political leaders in South Africa and also don't trust government institutions, particularly your local government um, institutions, which has important implications in terms of people, um, you know, being able to, to, to want to participate, um, you know, in, in, in the form of casting their vote, etc. So mm. there's a sense that, um, you know, people feel a kind of alienation, but also that they don't have confidence that uh, these institutions, you know, of government will change. And I think that the kind of distrust and the lack of confidence that we see, uh, particularly when we, you know, when we look at the voting trends of young people, has a lot to do with what happens between elections, as, mm. as I've emphasized in the article. The fact that uh, we don't see, you know, meaningful partnerships uh, between, um, you know, your, your, your government entities or your political actors and youth um, in the main mm. has important implications in terms of when, when you know, when it comes to elections. Um, so, you know, um, there is a need to, to, to look at how do you partner with citizens in between elections in terms of development programs, in terms of enhancing participation in political processes and the like. And so when it comes to elections and you're expecting that, you know, because, um, you know, it, you, you have a good campaign that you're going to be able to sway young voters at this time of the year to, to, to all of a sudden, you know, believe in, you know, in, in the kind of campaigns that you have. But I do believe that it's a bit too late uh, to try and do that. Yeah, let's try and understand why you think there is a lack of participation from young people. And we're talking now in between elections, not necessarily during these kind of periods. Mm. Um, we, you make the point as well in the article that international bodies, so the UN and the AU, have emphasized the need for uh, participatory development across the board, and yet at national levels, especially here in South Africa, that's lacking. Can you think about why that is? Is it, is it political will? Well, I mean, we have been um, sort of 
the past, um, since last year, been convening a number of dialogues with youth stakeholders, uh, both in the Western Cape and Gauteng, to try and understand exactly these kind of issues, you know. So how, how do we enhance participation? But in trying to, to arrive to that point, we had to first get, begin to unpack what are the issues, what are the constraints in terms of, you know, uh, participating in policy processes, you know. And... Um, what one of some of the issues that really come out of you know of these dialogues is the fact that there is participation, um, you know, and, and but when it does happen, it's it's not participation that happens in a way that's meaningful for young people. Um, I think what's come out is that youth stakeholders experience these you know consultation processes as mm. very much artificial and symbolic, you know. Um, it's 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 not really spaces where young people are, you know, their contribution is being recognised in a way that sees them as people with capacity to really influence and shape policy processes, and also there's a sense that what is being, you know, what, what young people are able to contribute doesn't really kind of inform the decisions that are, that, that are being taken. Mm. So the issues that young people raise in particularly around, you know, the quality of the participatory processes, that there is quite an issue there in terms of, you know, um, these these processes being quite artificial and also not really addressing the fact that um, youth as a group are not homogenous. Mm. And so you find that, you know, young people are all clumped into the same category youth. And so interventions for, you know, when you're trying to engage with young people are not uh, well targeted. Mm. So you might find that there's a government um, sort of a, a dialogue process, but it's either you're talking too high for some, you know, youth groups, they maybe because they, they you know they 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 at the high um high school going age and then they're not able to engage with with the issues that are being raised mm. because the setup itself didn't really take into consideration that you know the young people you know um um are not the same you know i mean in south africa if you consider the fact that youth is from the ages of 15 to 35 yeah. that's a huge gap and clearly mm. if you're going to be thinking about participatory mechanisms you have to they have to be targeted able to understand the different needs but also the different capacities that those age categories have to engage and also one of the issues that's also come out in terms of um uh, policy participating in policy processes and i think um People draw a lot from, you know, we, we just had now the, when we had to participate in the draft national youth policy mm. 2020, and the fact that these policy documents are, are presented in very complex language, you know, that not, you know, not all young people are able to, 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 to engage uh, with the complexity, um, you know, that, mm. that's in the language mm. itself. So talking about how, how do you actually even simplify um, policy language, how do you simplify these documents, but also looking also at the fact that uh, there's also this kind of rural-urban divide. So yes. looking at, um, you know, what is being done to bring, um, you know, your rural-based um, young people who seem to be very much, you know, marginal to some of the big debates that are happening in the country around youth employment and all of those things, how do we bring them into the conversations and how do they get their voices heard? So there's a divide along so many lines. There's a language divide, there's an urban-rural divide, Mm. there's even the digital divide. I mean, if you consider that... 
I think that, you know, ICTs do present an important, you know, um, sort of uh, in, in innovation for, for, for engaging young people. But at the end of the day, we still do have a digital divide in the country. Right. And so that in itself needs to be addressed. Yeah, what we should do, in fact, is talk about solutions, right, and some of the recommendations that you make about how young people can then amplify their voice in policy-making uh, decisions. Because um, we're, we're all hoping that young people will come out to vote on the 3rd. But after the elections, what is it that young people need to do themselves so that they continue to be part of shaping where we're going as a country? I'll take your calls, 0891-104-207. Again, 0891-104-207. Or send me your SMSs. Send them to 34701. In Tune with Naledi Maleo on SAFM. It is indeed in tune, and I'm still speaking to Ayanda Nyoka, um, a project leader for building inclusive societies at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. And she says young people must amplify their voice in policy decisions. Taking your calls on 0891-104-207. We're on Twitter as well, at Naledi Moleo, tweet at SAFM Radio, and the hashtag is in tune. So what do we do, Ayanda? Well, I think... Um as I've sort of um, um, suggested in, in the article, I think when we look at, you know, um, issues of development, um, I think we, we obviously are concerned about accountability. We're also concerned about, you know, improving good governance and the like. But there's also an important dimension, which is the politics of, of, of development. So how do you actually uh, mobilize power? If you look at, for me, I think uh, trade unions, have very important sort of um, lessons to offer for, for, for young people in terms of mobilizing power mm. and mobilizing solidarity across, you know, um, various youth networks to be able to to use that power as a cohesive force to 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 uh, to advocate for for the interest of young people in policy fora. Mm. And so, for me, I think at the moment what is clearly lacking there seems to be a vacuum in terms of coordinated action between um, sort of the various you know, initiatives that young people are, dri- are driving. There's a lot of age, um, agency that we do see that people are doing creative and amazing things. Um, I mean, young people are even devising, you know, concrete solutions in terms of some of the key policy areas like issues around education, etc. Mm-hmm. even the issues around employment, how you do get young people to be employable. Mm-hmm. And so, but we find there's a gap. That information is not really, um, you know, those partnerships are not happening in terms of young people being able to add their input into this policy forum. And so I think one concrete thing is to look at how the young people mobilize themselves and coordinate their action so that they form strong, effective networks that can sit at, you know, at the various forums of policy. Um, we, We know that they are like other sort of networks like the South African Youth Council. Mm. But seemingly when you, when you, when you start talking about, you know, those kind of, um, um, sort of, um, organized groupings, um, young people, tend to, at least in terms of the dialogues, the people that we've engaged with, they're very skeptical, a lot of suspicion in terms of these, some of these groupings being very much party aligned, political mm-hmm. party aligned. Um, and so there's a need to create spaces that are non-partisan and, 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 um, sort of, 
bring um, across various sort of sectors of society um, amongst the, the, the youth stakeholders in South Africa. I think for me that would be the first important sort of step that young people need to take. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. We had a discussion a few weeks ago on um, one of the other shows here on ECFM about whether or not um, we actually have a space in South Africa that allows for um, non-partisan organizations to exist and continue to thrive. Um, but that, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a discussion for another day because, as you say, that's the way to go. Create those spaces, make them non-partisan spaces where young people um, can influence policy and also just development as well. Um, the the Face Must Fall movement, I think, showed that young people certainly do have the the, the know-how and the, the ability to organize themselves and make some sort of meaningful influence. The, the criticism, however, has always been that these are the educated young people that are able to organize themselves in that way. They're in varsities, they're accessing quality education, just mm-hmm. fighting to keep accessing it. Now, when you talk at a broader scale, you have, you know, 50% of young people that don't even get to matric in South Africa. How do you even start to say that young people should organize themselves without that leadership and, you know, the elders stepping mm-hmm. in to say, let us assist you in the process of, of organizing? Well, I think there is, um, I think that there is a need, um, like you said, to build capacity <laughs> You know, um, across sort of different um, um, groupings. Um, so, what you're highlighting is the fact that you have sort of your, your educated young mm. people who are at university, they have the resources, etc. Mm. And you might have your unemployed um, sort of young people that are in the townships or in the rural areas, etc., and don't seem to have to have the know-how, mm. don't seem to have the resources. Mm. Um, and so, I think what is important is to begin to build capacity for action, uh, begin to build capacity for for for, for mobilizing. As as well, as so one of the Who initiatives that, that we currently just, just quickly. Sorry, whose responsibility is that? Is that? Well, I, I, I think young people themselves mm. need to empower each other. I, I, I don't think this is um, sort of a responsibility that needs to be gov- government-led. I think there is a lot of capacity within uh, youth groupings in South Africa. It's about being able to create knowledge sharing, and it's about being able through network mobilization to capacitate others. So at the moment, one of the initiatives that we are driving for the SDGs is to create uh, toolkits um, that that enable young people to, 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 to deepen their participation or build their capacity to participate in policy processes. And so that's a, another sort of very concrete um, so, sort of action that needs to be taken to, to look at how you build capacity for those young people that, that want to take action but don't necessarily have the resources mm. or necessarily have the know-how. So um, I think that young people themselves need to drive the process of building capacity for other youth groupings. Yeah, you know, you you talked about, um, you know, the consultation processes that take place and and a lot of the time young people feeling like, you know, the conversations, even the policy documents themselves, um, too difficult for young people to grasp. One of the things that prides me about this show, Ayanda, is every week we have callers coming in that want to contribute to our discussions. And... I'm noticing that we haven't had a single call in this discussion. 
And, and I wonder if it's because there is no will from young people. So young people are really just not interested in policy decision making. Um, or is it that they don't even understand the importance of why they need to be part of policy processes? Well, I think um, it could be also the fact that um, <laughs> they don't necessarily believe that they are, you know, sort of their voices would be able to effect any change. Um, they don't necessarily believe that they have the power or that they have the capacity to influence uh, these, um, you know, policy processes. Um, so, I mean, for me, I always reflect on, you know, the whole debate that we had a few years ago. I think it must have been 2012 or 2011 around the youth wage subsidy. Just the fact that young people were not part of a very critical debate around <laughs> instruments to address youth employment, um, unemployment. So we saw back then that this debate, you know, became a high-level debate between Kosatu, business, etc. Whereas in actual fact, young people needed to lead that debate. Young people needed to be their voices to be critical, um, you know, in in that led net led processes that were that were happening at that time. So my sense is, um, I think that um, spaces for policies have been taken up by organised labour, organised businesses, and young people probably feel that um, don't, don't necessarily believe that they have that capacity to influence or that opportunity is there. But um, what we see in terms of research. Um, in this area is that, um, you know, if you look at other countries, yes, it's still a struggle. It's still very much a struggle for policy um, sort of stakeholders or policy makers in particular to to be able to, to, to shift their attitudes, to, to recognize that young people have valuable inputs, to recognize that young people can be partners. Um, I think the dominant sort of, um, sort of um, way that's being taken in these policy processes is still to have very elite processes. Yeah. Where you know so the, the the so-called experts or adults know better and can act on behalf of young people, and that's an attitude shift that needs to happen both at the side of policymakers, but also maybe in a way maybe it could be that young people themselves um, um, believe that, um, even if they might not articulate it, mm. it, it might be that even themselves believe at some level um, that you know the the it's not their space to be able to, 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 to influence. Yeah. The research has shown that when citizens um, play a role and, and, and uh, sort of are able to inform development, are able to, to, to inform policy mm. on issues that affect them, that in actual fact leads to better development outcomes for those particular groups of people right. that the policy is designed to benefit. And young people from that position, I think, need to then take on those spaces. Mm. Yeah, just if you, if you could do this maybe in 30 seconds, the true cost, whether it be now or in, in the future of South Africa, of not involving young people in policy-making processes? I think that we see the the challenges around youth developing the country, high unemployment, young people really being uncertain about their future and a sense of alienation. And I think in the longer term, if we 
we, if, 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 if government, you know, there is this gap that continues between government and young people in terms of the relationship building and partnership, I think that will, that will have consequences in terms of young people, uh, being able to participate in, 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 in voting and, and, and the like. So the sense of apathy that we talk about, I don't think it's going to go away unless young people feel that they have a stake in, in society as mm-hmm. a whole. Yeah. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Ayanda. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah.